Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. And welcome back from a uh, restful Pesach vacation. We are right back in the thick of things here in the political world. And as the post Mueller investigation report saga continues to move on and percolate, we are in the midst of a institutional struggle right now taking place. It's quite extraordinary, actually, the institutional struggle that's taking place in our political world in Washington, D.C., between the United States Congress, most specifically the House, and, and the executive branch. And what we are seeing right now is uh, an incredible display of gainsmanship, I think, which unfortunately is uh, not leading us to do much of the people's business. Uh, this is uh, our political system has become almost entirely about elections and about 2020 and about who's running and how they're running. And still looking back on 2016. So we really didn't delve that much into the Mueller report. I'm not much of a legal analyst. I don't necessarily want to get into that so much, but I do do want to talk for a couple minutes about the politics involved in what is going on here. And as well as uh, Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the United States, who had an extraordinary day. I throw that word extraordinary around a lot right these days because it is quite extraordinary. Uh, day of testimony before the Senate, and now he is ignoring the House Judiciary Committee's, obviously controlled by the Democrats, uh, invitation, request, mandate uh, to testify. He might end up being subpoenaed. And then we'll see where that goes. In addition, at the same time, the Trump administration on a different front has chosen to stonewall, stymie, and ignore, rebuff, sue, all of the above uh, with regard to congressional oversight requests uh, on various levels, on various inquiries that long historically the Congress has been able to take and make with regard to the executive branch, uh, security clearances being one, uh, the president's tax returns, uh, the president's uh, business, potential business conflicts of interest. Um, all, we never really had, you could say that we've never had some of these requests before. before. Obviously, we didn't have to request the president's tax returns because they had long been open and been released. Um. You know, you, you often think that Donald Trump would have been better served to just say, I am never going to release my tax returns. Kind of what Mick Mulvaney went on TV to say. And he should have said that during the campaign. I will never release my tax returns. They're none of your business. I don't care. And see if you elect me. Instead, he said he will because he's under audit, which, I mean, who knows? And is it possible that 30 years of tax returns are under audit? Who knows? Because I think when it comes down to it, he's never going to release his tax returns. So you might as well just say, I'm never going to release my tax returns and nobody cares about it. Now we have this silly game going back and forth, um, you know, that's involved of saying, um, well, I might release, I could release. But then at the same time, they are now going to litigate the idea of 
um, whether the president's going to release his tax returns. And I think we all know that he's just not going to, or at least he's going to fight every effort to do that. Whatever's in there, uh, we don't know. Uh, but, you know, the thing here, I think that the a lot of Democrats don't get, and yeah, maybe a lot of Americans don't get those that don't like the president, particularly don't get, is that even President Trump's supporters, and even his moderate supporters, I'm not talking about the hardcore supporters, even the moderate supporters of the president don't care about his flaws. They don't care. They don't think that his flaws are, they know about his flaws, they know he's a flawed human being, they know he's a flawed individual, they know he lies, they know he says things, well, let's say stretches the truth. I don't know what people want to say, call somebody actual a liar, but they know he stretches the truth. They know that he exaggerates. They know all this, all he's done for ages and decades and his entire business career uh, in many ways has been about hyperbole and acting and, you know, really got elected because he's a great, you know, he's a good actor. He's a good reality TV show person. I mean, it's all about The Apprentice, right? Being the boss on The Apprentice and that was his persona. And that's what a lot of people don't get. It's not, you can't fight that with truth and absolute truth. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now is, you know, people are going to wave a paper and say, well, this paper says that this and this, and therefore we must, I, I hate to say it, but the public sphere is no longer so noble and virtuous as it was in the days of our founding fathers and days many, um, a lot of it is about spin, and we're seeing that no less. And I know we call the show spin class, and you know, a little bit you know embarrassing to be to say predicated on spin, but it is about spin in a sense. It's about getting out in front of the story. It's about shaping the story and shaping the narrative. And Donald Trump does that instinctively, habitually, and incredibly, and dominates in many ways. And everybody says, "Well, oh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing." It's maybe not. I'll have to, I'll just say, maybe not. Maybe he doesn't understand. But I think he gets it a little bit better than a lot of us. And, you know, there's no poker face there. He lays it all out on the table. I mean, look at these tweets about Joe Biden over the past week. I mean, clearly, you know, when I think his advisors are telling him, just ignore the Democratic fields. There's 20 of them, and they're going to eat each other and let them deal with that and deal with their own far left versus moderate issues and socialism and capitalism and you have candidates who won't say that they're capitalists and etc and let them deal with those issues let them deal with those issues himself instead of the president trying to wade in and you know i think contributing to making joe biden the front runner but we see that the ability his ability to shape the story back to Mueller for a second and Mueller and Barr. so Barr goes before the congress or before the u.s senate and it's a friendly Starts off friendly because the chairman is Lindsey Graham, and all the Republicans want to do, which is in fact, you know, is talk about essentially what it comes down to is why let's investigate Hillary Clinton, which <laughs> should be expected. But again, it's laughable, and I say this as a Republican. I mean, come on, I mean, come on, I mean, it's you gotta, it's ridiculous, right? We're not here to talk about Hillary Clinton's emails. We're talk here to talk about a serious matter, which is Russian interference in the presidential election and the Mueller report and the report that was done at great expense to the American people and great time to the American people and great cost overall to our political system to produce this report, which is comprehensive. I didn't read the whole thing, 400 and 
seven pages. Uh, I did will note the one section I did read, which was obviously a kind of a null section, was the written questions and answers to the president, which basically he didn't answer, which is unfortunate. Uh, because one, because he said overall, over, over and over that he was going to answer and that he wanted to answer and that he wanted to uh, answer questions and that he's been transparent, etc. And, you know, he clearly didn't. The funny thing, of course, is that Barr said to the Senate yesterday, well, Mueller really didn't pursue uh, questioning the president, which seems to be totally contradicted by the report itself. you you got to wonder at certain points whether Barr actually read the Mueller report. But here we see a great example is that what happened was they got the report. The report came in. Barr held a press conference. He issued a four-page summary, and that was the story. And that's the story that Republicans have been running with of as, you know, kind of, this is Donald Trump 2020. No obstruction, no collusion. Everything's great. Trump 2020. I guess that's eight words if you add in the Trump 2020. Right? I mean, that's that, that's what you're coming with, right? That, that, I mean, that's that's the bottom line. No obstruction, no collusion. You tried. I won in 2016. You tried to take me out with this Mueller report. It didn't work. Let's move on. That's what Republicans are saying. Let's move on. Lindsey Graham actually was interviewed after this hearing and said, that's it. We're done. Let's move on. You know, of course, he wrote, he talked about the text messages and the emails between Page and Strzok and tried to say, okay, we should be finding out how this happened, etc. Well, the, you know, the bottom line is Mueller did find evidence, if you read the report, evidence, substantial evidence, and made indictments about Russian interference in the American election. There's no question it happened. It's not like Jared Kushner says, well, there's a couple of Facebook posts. That's not, come on. That's not what happened here. I mean, the Russians clearly hacked Podesta's emails. They clearly gave it to WikiLeaks and WikiLeaks used it at opportune or in, in opportune times for the campaign. Uh, whether that had anything to do whatsoever with anybody on the Trump campaign at the time, it doesn't appear there's any hard evidence for that or any actual evidence for that. But it is, of course, strange and a lingering question is why so many members of the Trump orbit lied to investigators. I mean, why Michael Flynn, if you read the report, lied to investigators about whether he discussed sanctions with Sergei Kislyak when what he would have faced potentially was a Logan Act prosecution, which never, ever happens. It is just bizarre as far as I'm concerned. just doesn't make sense for a guy at that level to throw away his career based on, on that. Why lie in the first place? But that's an unresolved question. Only Michael Flynn can answer why he lied. Uh, Paul Manafort has a checkered career. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you got to be surprised or not surprised that he ever hired Paul Manafort. And... On top of that, you know, there are a lot of strange, unfortunate things that go on in our government with regard to the Mueller report. Uh, chief among them is that quite a few of the president's aides, including some that are very close to him, seem to just totally ignore his wishes when he wants to do something. Now, it's kind of like that episode, um, sorry, that scene from A Few Good Men. You know, the dialogue says, are there, when... Uh, Tom Cruise asks them, says, uh, asks Jack Nicholson, are there any, would he always obey an order? 
You know, he knew any chance that he ignored your order. And Jack Nicholson doesn't understand the question. Any chance that he ignored an order? What do you mean ignore an order? We don't ignore orders. We are, we follow orders or people die. It's that simple, right? We follow orders. Well, that's clearly not the case in this White House. The president asked Corey Lewandowski to do stuff. He didn't do it. Corey Lewandowski. I mean, that's 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 your main man. Corey Lewandowski. He asked Dom again, we know, to do stuff. He didn't do it. We, he asked Ryan's previous to do stuff. He didn't do it. I mean, there were over and over, you see. Rick Dearborn, various people, you know, do this, do this, do this. KT McFarland, all these people do this. They didn't, they didn't follow the president's. Now, either they don't feel that President Trump's orders are lawful, potentially, or they don't feel that they're particularly smart. It does seem, according to the report, that many of his aides seem to have saved the president from himself. Because in the end, it seems that the obstruction that the president wanted to do never happened, which would be firing Mueller, he clearly wanted to do, um, didn't happen. So we're kind of left with this idea that, well, maybe he tried to obstruct justice. Of course, we don't know in the end whether if he had actually obstructed justice, whether that actually would have led to indictment either, because the rules that were laid out here we're not really sure whether a sitting president could be indicted under Justice Department guidelines. So, in a sense, we're left with this report that is, you know, more of an investigation, a report that goes, it's, you know, the strange thing about this is if you can't ultimately indict the president for obstruction of justice and you can't prove the actual collusion, which itself is not a crime, and maybe there was conspiracy, maybe if there's no underlying crime, there can't be conspiracy to commit that crime. I don't know. Again, not a lawyer, but. That seems to be, you know, Mueller was left with two options. Either I don't indict, and therefore it's called an exoneration, because if I decline to indict, I'm acquitted. Now, of course, that's actually not true. You're not actually acquitted if that's the case. And, you know, but that's, that is it. You're cleared, right? And the president says, well, I'm cleared. I've been cleared and done. And Barr is basically saying he's been cleared, done. And he's not wrong about that. Now, a lot of people might want to think he's wrong and say, well, he's, it's not... You're, you're wrong because these are all these bad things and the lying and the mistruths, etc. And all the shady stuff. Just as an interjection here, if you don't think out there that both parties are responsible for shady stuff and things that might not be so appropriate, everybody's got to recalibrate their understanding of politics in many ways. Or everything. But in many cases, you know, it's the game is kind of going right up to the line. You go right up to the line and you say, okay, legal or illegal. And that's the bottom line. That's the test. I think that's Barr's saying. That's a test. It's either illegal or illegal. And he's basically saying, Bill Barr is basically saying, well, the report was done for me. This is my job. I did my job. Mother did his job. The whole thing was he did his job. The job is done. It's done. We're finished. And there's a good argument to be made for that, right? Everybody said, let Mueller do his job. That's what the Democrats were banking on. Let Mueller do his job. If then they had this perfect confidence, if the Mueller did his job, President Trump would be out of office. Well, guess what? It didn't happen. Move on. You know, and, oh, so, well, it's not fair because Bill Clinton got impeached. Monica Lewinsky, that was a lot worse. This is worse. This is crimes. This is treason. Okay. And now, 
they're upset because the Republicans are basically doing the running out of the clock. You know, they're doing they're they have the lead and they're trying to run out the clock and the Democrats are trying to catch up and they're saying, well, eh, no, we're not going to let you catch up here. That's smart. Would you expect the president to do less? Would you know they're all upset? Well, the president's running around says a complete and total exoneration. Okay, he's spinning it. And the one problem that the Democrats, because they probably because they all there are they out out there for many years, sorry, many months, seeing Mueller as an ally. He's not an ally. He never has been an ally. He's an investigator. He's a prosecutor, and he doesn't leak and he doesn't say anything. And yes, he wrote the letter that. Uh, to Barr, which was actually pretty extraordinary for Mueller, making a public statement, essentially, that you're mischaracterizing my words. And Barr's response is, okay, that's your opinion. Fine. I'm doing my job. I'm the Attorney General of the United States. And he is. You might not like it, but he is. So that is the state of play. That is the state of play. They're running out the clock. And they're basically trying to say is we have the lead now and we're going to get everybody to move on. And we're going to try and get everybody by, by stymieing and stonewalling and delaying. And, and Bill Barr is saying, I'm not going to go ahead and sit before the House committee that is intent on trying to destroy me and smear me, etc. Now, of course, he probably has to. Legally, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that would seem to be the case. It's, a, you know, we're coming to a potential crisis here where the administration is basically saying we won't respond to any inquiries of Congress. You know, and then, of course, it's going to have to go to the courts. And that in itself is unfortunate. That in itself is a failure of government Right? I mean, the bottom line is government should be able to function without having to be told by a judge each time, this is legal, this is what you have to do. I mean, that is, you know, that's an unfortunate reality. Is well, well, we can't be adults about that. So we're just going to, you know, we're, we're just going to leave it to a judge to tell us, you know, what to do and how to do it. So, the Democratic field now, you know, growing again, Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado getting in, you just don't know when there are actually going to be enough candidates out there. This is the second presidential candidate from Colorado. In case you didn't know, Colorado Governor John, or former Governor John Hickenlooper is also running. There seems to be a lot of room, or maybe there isn't a lot of room. The funny thing, the interesting thing is, a lot of them are raising money. So there's a lot of money going to Democratic candidates, which should make Republicans uneasy or scared. Um, but the one that seems to worry President Trump the most is clearly Joe Biden. And as I mentioned before, the president seems to lack a poker face on Twitter. You know, it's funny to get an insight into the 
thinking of the president. Because he not only goes after Joe Biden as a candidate, but he's going after individually the Firefighters Union, which came out of the gate and endorsed the International Association of Firefighters. Now, maybe Trump, these are the firefighters, are his people, which is interesting. But that is that is the punchline, essentially, of this week. I mean, you know, I mean, how many tweets are you going to tweet about Joe Biden and his endorsement, whether the, you know, the firefighters here, um, you know, and, and President Trump is retweeting individual firefighters who say, Joe Biden is not my choice, you know. It's like, you know, there are, you know, one tweet. I mean, this is, these are the ones I just, you know, uh, Scott Bepler, okay? He's uh, his, on Twitter, right? See, so he's out there and says, oh, I'm a 24-year firefighter and Joe Biden's not my choice. No mojo. And the president of the United States is retweeting this guy. Great. I mean, like, yeah, I don't even know. And then that, right after another guy, Tom Lewis. I'm a firefighter and I'm a huge Trump supporter. And then the next guy, JPR Jr. I mean, like, we are now going to go ahead and retweet every single firefighter who is supporting, who doesn't like Joe Biden. It's, you know, I understand there is that the president himself is, has kind of reinvented the way Twitter is used and utilized in politics and in I think in a good way an effective way um, has been a the direct communication that he has with the American people and you know that's unfiltered and I appreciate that and I respect that and it is a window onto his thinking the problem is that okay we get it you don't think that the individual fire you you've made the point that you say that even though the firefighters unions support are supporting joe biden individual firefighters don't support joe biden but it's quite extraordinary to then pick up on every expression of disapproval out there and to retweet about it it does make one unhappy as an american or at least this american unhappy that the president of the United States is spending his time, spending his time, this time that the American people, it's our time, works for us, on Twitter, obsessing about which firefighters are or not supporting Joe Biden for president. And the truth is, at this point, why is the president not sitting back, having some popcorn, and letting the Democrats fight it out and say, ah, you know what, that's their job. They got 20 people out there. It's a mess. Democratic primary, or at least it will be a mess, although right now the polling looks to be that Joe Biden, you know, is big bump. He's at 39% according to the, you know, he's kind of might be running away with the field. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, there's just, it's, you know, the politics of the Democratic side are going to be very interesting. And of course, you know, Joe Biden is kind of this next in line guy, right? We have, that used to be the Republican thing, but the Democrats seem to, you know, last time Hillary nominated, well, she's the next in line. You know, Joe Biden's the next in line, and we'll see. I mean, he, look, nothing gets it, but he's, you know, an old face. 
I think the biggest knock on Joe Biden of what Brad Pascal, you know, said uh, that I heard uh, that I saw yesterday was, you know, 40 year politician, Joe Biden. I think that's a great knock on him. 40 year politician, Joe Biden. That's not what the American people necessarily want. I'm certainly not. Doesn't seem what they wanted when they elected Donald Trump. Now, maybe you'll swing back the other way because these things tend to be cyclical. But that is certainly a possibility. But, you know, we have a lot of flavors of the month to go. Right. Beto was was up. Now he's down. Buttigieg now. I mean, there's just so many people in this race. And how do they all get oxygen? Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker, Christian Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, John Hickenlooper, Michael Bennett, Yulin Castro. I mean, it goes on and on. And I'm, I know I'm leaving a lot of people out, so I'm going to just stop there. Elizabeth Warren, who seems to be surging from seven to nine points. So right now, I think the you know final thought here really is, is that the key here is to shape the narrative. And I told we're talking about the spin here. It's about shaping the narrative. And the bottom line is Barr was willing to talk and Mueller wasn't willing to talk. And if Mueller was willing to talk and talk and go out there and do the book tour and do the um, proverbial book tour, but do the talk show tour and say, this is what I found and this is how I'm characterizing it. I think a lot of this would be different, but he wasn't willing to do that. And Democrats, of course, hitched their wagon to him. And he's not a political actor. He never has been a political actor. And you're kind of relying on somebody who's not willing to be in the arena and go out there and shape the narrative. And he's trying to shape the narrative. You know, similar to, you know, any type of advocacy campaign, right? This doesn't demand no less. You can't just rely on pieces of paper that most people are not going to read to make your case for you. And when Bill Barr goes out there and says, this is, well, this is my job. I did my job. It's kind of a simple, well, what are you, what are you upset about? I, I did my job. This is how, what I was supposed to do. The law mandates I'm supposed to interpret this and make conclusions from this and to decide as whether to indict or not to indict. And the Justice Department, at me as the Attorney General, has decided not to indict the president. Done. Finished. Thank you. Should Congress go ahead and investigate and legislate and propose legislation based on future issues? And should we talk about the security of our election system? Yeah, probably, but that's not really Bill Barr's call. That seems to be, you know, something overall in the executive branch. And now if the executive branch doesn't do that, then Congress should step in, and that's the that's the way our system works. But you're relying on every all the Trump opponents out there relying on Bob Mueller as, you know, their champion and i don't know that that was ever those expectations were probably way too high so that's it here for this week on spin class here on the knock'em single network stay tuned for jew in the city speaks with allison joseph see you next week